Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, my name is Roland Clark, and I'm here today on the New Books Network talking to Dr. Pablo Bradbury, who's a historian of Latin America with a strong thematic interest in religion and social movements. Pablo has taught history at the University of Liverpool and has been a visiting researcher at the Institution for Latin American Studies at the University of London. At the moment, he's Program Coordinator of Law and Social Science at the University of Greenwich International College. So welcome to the podcast, Pablo. Thank you very much for inviting me, Roland. So this book's about liberationist Christianity. Can you tell us what is liberationist Christianity? Sure. Um, so liberationist Christianity, as 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 I refer to it in the title of, of the book, is a socio-religious movement, really, um, uh, which emerges at, at a kind of... Um, uh, a, a key moment of the the Cold War period in in Latin America in, in the second half of the twentieth century. Um, so it emerges really in in the nineteen uh, the middle of the nineteen sixties and towards the end of the nineteen sixties. Um, so some of your listen listeners, I guess, were, may have heard of um, a phenomenon called liberation theology, which um, really starts to be expressed um, at, at the start of the 1970s, um, following the um, uh, 1968 Episcopal Conference in, in Medellin in, in Colombia, um, and, a, and, and the publication of a landmark book by, um, by a priest in Peru called uh, Gustavo Gutierrez in 1971. Um, so liberation theology at a basic level um, is is a kind of it's a collection of writings really by a fairly large network of of theologians and, and Christian activists. Um, so, for example, Gutierrez in Peru. Um, we have others like Juan Luis Eundo in in Uruguay. Um, uh, Ruben Alves, Hugo Esman, held a camera in Brazil, um, and the list goes on. Um, and we, I, get, I, I we can say that liberation theology has has two main uh, characteristics or, or pillars. Um, uh, so firstly, um, as, as Gutierrez says, um, liberation theology is a, is a new way of doing theology. Um, so Gutierrez emphasizes that um, liberation theology sees theology as a, as a critical reflection on practice. So it's, it's very much focused on, on, um, on, on some kind of social and political action. Uh, or, or, or at least social and political commitment, which is seen to be foundational to to the Christian faith, um, and and this is seen as as situated and contextual, um, uh, and and a large part of this was to recognise that um, that sin is not just to do with um, uh, personal behaviour, but uh, is also structural and and. Uh, embedded in the institutions of of society, so so the the first pillar, I guess, is that is that theology is is a, a reflection on the social and political commitment to to challenge these institutions of sin. Um, I, the second pillar is is what some people have referred to as an epistemological shift um, that liberation theology tries to. Kind of um, uh, bring about, uh, which is to see society from the perspective of of the poor and the 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 dehumanized or those 
um, suffering some form of violence um and uh, and and social um social ills um so and and this is seen by the liberation theologians as the authentic expression of christianity um so liberation theology really um coheres in in the early 1970s but it's built on the top of a a, a wider uh, cultural and social and religious phenomenon uh, it's which isn't just limited to theological writings um so um i i take liberationist christianity as uh, as uh, from the uh, work by uh, michael lowey or michel lovey um who 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 says that um that liberationist christianity is um is a kind of cultural expression of of uh, an articulation or or combination between uh, christian faith and and revolutionary politics um and this isn't a, a homogenous movement it involves not just priests but students intellectuals uh, includes workers in in the urban centers and uh, as well as in in rural locations it includes catholics and protestants um it includes um guerrillas and peace activists um so it's 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 very much diverse and cuts across lots of social and political um sectors and so this really coheres or it, it comes together um, at this moment at the end of the 1960s and the start of the 1970s um so is this just a catholic phenomenon because a lot of the people you've quoted are catholics or were there non-Catholics involved as well? Yeah, so um, I one of the things I try to do in the book is um, is challenge the idea that this was simply a, a Catholic phenomenon. Um, liberation theolo- There are a number of important Protestant um, liberation theologians, um, and um, and 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 I think this this is really important in itself. Um, but in the Argentine case, um, there is a, I suppose, a popular assumption or popular understanding which, which sees uh, this this phenomenon as as simply a Catholic one. But, um, so so what what I try to do is uh, partly is is to uncover some of the um, so. So by by using this idea of liberation as Christianity, we try to move away from uh, a, a merely Catholic-centered understanding of, of of this movement. Um. So it's po- it's important to note that um some Protestant churches were actually more institutionally sympathetic to towards liberation as Christianity. It, um. So for example, the Methodist churches uh, across Latin America were often um, often run, in fact, by uh, by figures quite close to the movement. Um, in uh, across Latin America, we had figures like uh, R- Richard Shaw, for example, who who actually before liberation theology the- theology was um, was coined by by Gustavo Gutierrez, um, developed a series of, of meetings and conferences on on theology and, and revolution. Um, there, there are also other kind of um, social expressions um, within within Protestant Christianity of um, 
uh, of a, a kind of revolutionary or at least uh, left-wing militant type politics, um, for example, in the Christian student movement, um, which um, which started to engage with left-wing uh, ideas and politics and at the time of decolonization across the world in, in the 1950s and 60s. So in, in some ways, um, liberationist Christianity uh, actually appears earlier in, in the Protestant world in, in Latin America. Um, it, it influenced very strongly by the US civil rights movement and uh, figures like Martin Luther King Jr. Um, uh, and, and this is articulated very strongly in, in the World Council of Churches um, assemblies. So, for example, in, uh, a very important one in 1968 in Uppsala, which um, is, is held just a few months after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, and um, and and is is a kind of a, a trigger for for a um, a, a mobilization on uh, along the lines of left wing politics and uh, um, civil rights uh, uh, and and the emergence of of human rights, which which later becomes really important for the. For the ecumenical movements in in Argentina, um, I, I I guess at this point it's also important to say that for for some of the Protestant churches there was an important process of of autonomization in the nineteen sixties. So, the Methodist Church, for example, before the end of the nineteen sixties, was organized organizationally and financially dependent on on the um, the the Methodist Church in in the United States, the the United Methodist Church, um, and a decision was taken in the in the middle of the nineteen sixties to uh, to um, in, incorporate or integrate with other Methodist churches in Latin America and and so become independent of the U.S. So so there's there's a, a process of uh, of of trying to trying to integrate more fully with um, with other Latin American sectors um, uh, and and actually a kind of nationalization in 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 Argentina where Protestants are increasingly being or seeing themselves as as core core parts of uh, of Argentine society and, and and politics whereas the the Protestant world in Argentina had often been seen as a kind of importation uh, uh, previously. Uh, and this is one of the things that uh, I like most about the book was the ability to, a, a lot of books on liberation theology, they just deal with the theologians, whereas you, by looking at what's on the ground, you're able to show a lot of diversity. Um, and which brings me to my next question, which is talking about the relationship of the church to any regime is really complicated. And I am terrified of simplifying and oversimplifying what was going on in Argentina. But would I be right to say that the Catholic Church was pretty disenchanted with Juan Perón by the time he was deposed in 1955? And then after that, the church supports the various regimes that came after him? Yes. I, I, so in, in broad brush strokes, yeah, that's that's absolutely right. In fact, the church was a, a, a really large part of 
Quamperon's deposition in 1955. So just to brief, very briefly explain who Quamperon was, he came to prominence as, as a, uh, a young colonel in, in a mil military regime in, in the 1940s. And through his position as as the minister for um, uh, social welfare and um, and and then vice president, he um, he manages to gain uh, a lot of support amongst the, the trade unionists, uh, the the trade unions, which was which was uh, uh, the trade union movement was growing very quickly at this point, um, and he. He appealed to various marginalised sector, sectors of of the the, the country, um, and it, it, so he he wins the the elections um, in the mid nineteen forties um, on the back of um, very bitter divisions within the military and uh, across society more generally, and he then becomes the most dominant. Politician in Argentina, uh, and and politics to this day is still still largely defined um, by the Peronist and anti-Peronist divides, uh, to at least to some extent. Um, but initially, he he also appealed very strongly to the Catholic Church um, uh, in the mid nineteen forties, which had and the church had strong institutions um, embedded within uh, society. Um, with with historical influence, um, but and he appealed to the church partly through his um, the assumption of a kind of secular secularized form of Catholic social social doctrine and the central I, I suppose the, the central message of of class harmony. Um, uh, he also promised to uphold certain components of uh, uh, certain tenets of the church's key demands in in society, like um, upholding or introducing religious instruction in state schools. Um, but by by the sort of early nineteen fifties um, and uh, uh, well, the the, the mid nineteen fifties, this kind of informal alliance between Peron and and, and the church had turned in extremely sour so by by 1954 um a, a um, catholic organizations mounted a, a a kind of pamphleteering campaign which sought to counter official discourse um and um and a, as a response to this um peron ordered the arrest of uh, of hundreds of of priests um and this continued to escalate to the point that the the pope, pope pius the 12th that excommunicates peron from the catholic church um peron suppresses religious uh, processions and um passes legislation like the the legalization of divorce and prostitution um and removes state support for catholic schools um and he even threatens to disestablish the church from from the state um and so in in 1955 um before before the the coup that overthrows peron there was a, there, a, a, there was a, a previous attempt to uh, by by the armed forces to to overthrow um peron uh, which was ex extremely violent. Um, 
the naval aircraft dropped bombs in the center of Buenos Aires and, and, and left hundreds of, of Peronists dead. Um, and the naval aircraft actually flew banners declaring um, Cristo vence or, or Christ conquers um, uh, would be the English translation. And then as a response to this, Peronist militants actually started to burn down churches, including the uh, the cathedral in the center of the city. So this this is an extremely dramatic um, breakdown in in the relationship between Peronism and the Catholic Church, uh, which turns extremely violent. Um, and you're right in saying that um, to a large extent, the Catholic Church later supports um, other military governments, which um, which to some degree or another root their politics in in anti-peronism uh, or at least anti-communism which often seems to uh, incorporate or encompass um the the the, the mobilized sectors of or the more militant sectors at least of of peronism so if the church is supporting these military dictatorships and regimes not all priests are agreeing with the church's stance are they how does liberationist priests organize if they can't organize through the church? Yeah, so um, the following the, the, the 1955 coup, and, and remember, so liberationist Christianity wasn't really a, a coherent phenomenon by uh, by this uh, at the time of the 1955 coup. Um, but um, there were there was a small section of the of uh, the Catholic clergy, which was supportive of of Peron, including um, Eva Peron, um, so Eva Peron's confessor, Eva Peron being um, Peron's uh, wife, who dies in 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 1952, um, and who is is a kind of uh, very public is a very she's a very important icon for for Peronism and associates herself with the the poor and the working classes very strongly um and also assumes um a, a variety of kind of Catholic uh imagery um um but even many of the the priests who were very anti-peronists uh very opposed to to Peron by 1955. Um, started to, um, I suppose, un- undergo a process of of reconsidering the the anti peronist their anti peronist positions. So th- th- there are some testimonies, for example, for from uh, figures who who were later key key leaders, I suppose, of of liberationist Christianity. Of um, it, during the, uh, the 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 celebrations of the 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 overthrow of Peron, um, priests um, moving from the more wealthy neighbourhoods to the the poorer neighbourhoods, and and the the response to the defeat of Peron is very very different. So we have the middle classes um, celebrating, and and the working class is um, absolutely distraught in in tears. Um, and so so there is a process of um, of of some Catholic priests and um, and and a variety of uh, lay uh, movements or lay organisations trying to 
bridged this divide between the the Peronist working classes, because Peronism had really become deeply rooted within the the working classes, and it had become largely the the working or the the dominant working class identity, politically speaking. Um, and and so there there was a, a, began to to uh, emerge these efforts to try and bridge this divide, and some of these. Um, formed key um, uh, formative experiences for, for liberationist Christianity. So, for example, a very important, uh, a very small scale, scale, but important in terms of the sort of cultural memory of uh, liberationist Christianity um, was a the movement of, of worker priests or the uh, initiatives by, um, by worker priests who had been influenced by the, the French experienced uh, French experiences before of, of worker priests in, in the 1930s and 40s. Um, so, um, so, so this was part of the the effort of of um, of priests in Argentina trying to uh, re-engage with the working classes in in Argentina, um, and um, and and th- these kinds of initiatives um, increasingly led to divisions uh, within the church uh, and very bitter conflicts between um, uh, uh, priests and and lay Catholics involved in these experiences and and those who very much on the on the the conservative side of of the political divide. Um, so. Um, so, so I guess it, to the uh, the roundabout way to to answer your question is that the liberationist priests often tried to to organize within the church to an extent, um, because the worker priest movement was seen as uh, as by many as as a legitimate uh, initiative within the church. Um, but engaging with the sectors very much marginalised or, or, or alienated, rather, from from the the institutional structures of of the the, the church, um, and and this sort of starts to cohere in in a much more um, uh, m- m- a much clearer way um, at, in 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 a political sense. Um, it, or rather as a, as a national phenomenon uh, towards the end of the 1960s with the um uh, the, the mobilization or the organization of a group called the movement of priests for the third world um which which brings together these different experiences of worker priests of of other priests who had been working in the slums and and others who had been close to for example student sectors who were increasingly mobilized and <clears throat> and the third world priests um uh, as they were called um begin to um organize and develop a kind of national uh, national identity in uh, by by 1967 um so the movement for priests of the third world is this a top-down organization or is it more like a loose association of like-minded people uh, c- certainly the latter more than more than the former um so the 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 movement of priests for the third world was um was largely organized on 
on diocesan um, boundaries. Um, so local groups of priests um, ran largely independently of the of the national, I suppose that what we might call the national structure. Um, and they even had uh, they so for example, even the the role of lay members um, or, uh, or or lay sympathizers was left to be decided by these diocesan groups. So the third world priest movement was a was uh, was a clerical movement, um, but incorporated to to various extents throughout the the country. Um, lay participation, uh, or at least um, collaboration with with um, lay Catholics, um, <clears throat> but there were some national level structures. So uh, very early on, a uh, a, a a guy called um, Miguel Ramondetti, uh, who uh, was in some ways responsible for the 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 initial organization of the the the, the third world priests um because he he translated um uh the the message from bishops of the third world which had been published in 1967 in, in french um and uh, uh, which was a a kind of manifesto that uh articulated the Christian message as um uh, w- with the idea of revolution and and identified socialism as uh as as Christianity lived lived fully um and this became re- really really influential um partly because of, of Ramondetti's efforts to um to circulate th- this message so Ramondetti became the general secretary um <clears throat> for the third world priests um there was also a a permanent secretariat and uh, a, a group of national coordinators from from diff- six uh, different regions um and they had a a bulletin um which had a a national level editor so there was some uh, limited national level structures but uh, primarily this was a, a very loose association of um of of groups of priests in in the in their respective um dioceses um the most i suppose the most important national level events um were the the annual national encounters or or meetings uh, which um which brought together um in some cases hundreds of 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 priests um to to meet and discuss um how to understand um the 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 the, the present conjunctures of argentine uh society and politics and and how to um how to analyze the the, the developments in argentine society from from a a a liberationist Christian perspective, um, <clears throat> and within these discussions, there were all sorts of uh, debates about to what extent can um, can they firstly engage with, um, and secondly, explicitly adopt uh, Peronism as the um, as the dominant popular movement in Argentina, uh, and they also 
discussed um, the relationship with with Marxism and uh, and other kinds of uh, re revolutionary politics. Um, so there were these national level discussions, but that org certainly organizationally, it was it was much more of a loose association. And what happens when some of these liberationist priests find themselves in conflict with the church? Um, so the um, the conflicts within the the Catholic Church um, they uh, in, in fact they predate uh, the the um, the organization or the or the uh, the creation of the movement of priests for the third world. Um, there were some early examples of of very bitter conflicts between groups of priests and um, and the local bishop, for example, in Mendoza in the middle of the nineteen sixties. Um, but these um, these conflicts, these disputes, uh, which ha had to do partly with um, partly with uh, pastoral innovations that. That many of these priests wanted to introduce into uh, into the the um, their clerical practice, um, and partly over in in the interpretations of the second Second Vatican Council in in the in the first half of the nineteen sixties, uh, the Second Vatican Council, which introduced various reforms into the Catholic Church and um, reflected or tried to. To, uh, discuss um, the uh, the engagement of the the, the Catholic world with um, with modernity, um, and so the, um, the 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 conflicts between priests and and their respective bishops, and as well as other uh, conservative Catholics, um, uh, and and also the state in 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 some cases. Um, Emerged partly as a result of the political commitments of of these priests, um, the third world priests, and partly as a result of um, new interpretations of of um, of Catholic um, Catholic uh, rites and liturgies uh, and 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 Christian practice. Um, but so these these conflicts certainly accelerated um, in uh, from 1967 when the third world priests were created, or the organisation was created, uh, and we have, um, for example, a, a case that I I explore in in my book in in San Isidro just outside of Buenos Aires, a group of worker priests um, who were accused of entering too deeply into political issues by their local bishop um, and who had also criticised the church's financial ties to, uh, to, uh, to the, the landowning class. Um, and these lead, led to e extremely bitter public disputes between, between the priests and, um, and the bishop, as, as well as the bishop's local allies. Um, the most, I suppose, one of the most dramatic cases was in Rosario, where the Archbishop, um, a, a guy called Guillermo Bolatti, um, who the liberationist Christian, one of the liberationist Christian publications at the time called, uh, uh, and I quote, one of the most expensive pieces in the conservative museum. Um, so Bolatti had opposed um 
uh, some of the reforms that the priests were trying to introduce inspired by the Second Vatican Council and punished um, some of the priests involved with local movements, um, suspending them and um, and trying to marginalise them from, from the, the local parishes. Um, and these disputes actually escalated when um, uh, that they escalate uh, when the when the local parishioners start to get involved on the side of the priests, where uh, so the the par- parishioners started to occupy the churches of um, sus- suspended priests, uh, and 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 the 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 bishops. Um, or at least in the case of Rosario, Guillermo Bolatti um, got the police involved, um, and there was a very violent confrontation between the parishioners and and the police, which left five of the protesters um, shot and and wounded. Um, so these the the, the third world priests um, or the the response to the third world priests by by bishops was was very punitive very disciplinary um and um and and these conflicts really escalate at, at, towards the end of of the the, the 1960s uh, and and this is one of the things I, I suppose i i i explore in uh in my book um all of this sounds quite violent does that mean and i'm, I'm not used to hearing like the church shooting people does that mean that the priests were and lay people are they just in conflict with the church, or are they also in conflict with the Argentinian state? Yes, in, increasingly they become um, very much in conflict with with the Argentine state too. Um, so I, one of the most um, w- one of the most surprising cases was the case of uh, Raúl Maduret, who was a um, uh, a, a member of the the third, third world priests uh, who came into conflict with his his um, superior, the Archbishop of Corrientes, um, a, a guy called Francisco Vicentin. Um, so Maturet had given a homily um, uh, or a public prayer for for a student activist who had been killed by police. Um, during the, the the so this was in nineteen sixty nine, just following. Um, uh, so, some major protests across the country, um, and um, and Maturet, as a re- result of his his um, uh, public pol- political uh, messages, um, started to be um, pursued and and surveilled by by the police. Um, uh, and in fact, the the police regularly showed up at his church, and and Maturet asked the the judiciary at this point to investigate Vicentin's collusion with the police. Um, so and and the the archbishop um, refused uh, in this case to to cooperate with the judiciary, um, and was actually um, arrested at this moment. Um, as a response to this. Um, Vicentin ordered the excommunication of Maturet, which was uh, which was confirmed by the by the the Vatican, um, and um, and again uh, parishioners occupied uh, occupied uh, Maturet's church um, along with 
three other priests, uh, the churches of, of three other parish priests who um, who had been sanctioned and suspended by um, by the archbishop. Um, and again, these were these occupations were forcibly closed, uh, forcibly shut down by uh, by heavily armed police. Um, so these conflicts often began um, to to some some extent as as um, intra ecclesial uh, disputes, um, and, and and then escalate to um, to conflicts with the state. Um, and these this persecution by the state um, was uh, in, intensified uh, intensified greatly in nineteen in nineteen seventy um, so in, at the start of the nineteen seventies when uh, when guerrilla activity or, or armed um, revolutionary groups began to um, increasingly um, carry out um very bold um uh, activities in in Argentina um so the the largest one being the the montoneros um who actually emerge uh, who, who which was founded by a, a group of young um young st- students um who were very close to liberationist christian circles um and and so the Montoneros, uh, one of their first actions is the um, the uh, the kidnapping uh, of the of one of the men responsible for the the military coup against Peron, Juan Peron, in nineteen fifty five, and and they execute um, the the this the former dictator, um, and it's at this moment really that that the state persecution of the third world priests really steps up um so as a response to that particular action um the the kidnapping and execution of the the former dictator uh, aramburu he's called um the, uh, police arrest um the third world priests bulletin editor alberto carbone who they accuse him of of providing the uh, uh, the, um, the 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 machine to actually um, publish and and circulate uh, Montonero propaganda, um, and and also arrested were um, Carlos Mujica, who was the most uh, the most well known of the the third world priests, uh, and who had actually been the spiritual advisor of of the founders of the Montoneros. Um, and they arrest uh, a man called Hernan Bernites, who who was ever Peron's confessor. Um, so the the Argentine state starts to um, to persecute and arrest, and in some cases torture, um, a, a various members of the 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 third world priests movement, um, uh, and and. In, in the first years of of the nineteen seventies, this uh, the, this persecution mounts uh, in, and increases um, up up until right up until the um, the elections in in nineteen seventy three, which puts an end to um, that particular 
um, military dictatorship. Um, the the biggest as the biggest um, example or the most dramatic example of this was in in Rosario, where um, where priests had uh, had had organized a large protest in response to actually the state persecution of of other priests and the police arrest um 48 priests in 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 one go and this was the largest mass arrest of priests since the 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 days or the the final years of the um the Juan Peron uh, government in the 1950s i i can imagine it must be must have been difficult to respect the church as a hierarchy when it's persecuting you and it's supporting a state that is arresting and kidnapping and torturing your friends. How how did liberationist Christians conceive of the church? How did they imagine the church during the early 1970s? What was their ecclesiology? Yeah, so this is this is um a really interesting question which um which I think ha- hasn't been explored enough. Um and it's something that I tried to do in in my book to to some extent. <clears throat> so um the the priests in uh, the, the the third world priests are often in who are often in conflict with their bishops really conceive um uh, uh it largely conceive of of what's going on here as as a um a a, a dispute between the popular church and the, the hierarchical church um and you see this come out in in lots of the writings uh lots of the uh, the public rhetoric and and um, the uh, documents of of the the third world priests, as well as as the discussions in in the wider wider left um, in in Argentina, the wider political left. Um, so what what tends what tended to happen in, in as a result of these these disputes within the church uh, was that the ecclesial le- leadership. Um, referred or yeah started to refer to um, the the notion of apostolic obedience, um, accusing uh, their priests of being disobedient, um, and they they also rejected what they saw as as a horizontal idea of the church from the priests. So so that uh, the the idea that that priests could organize sort of independently of of their bishops um on the other hand um and and this is where uh, i suppose in some ways we need to be a bit careful because there wasn't a um a, a single interpretation of of the the church there wasn't a single ecclesiology uh, among uh liberationist christians um but in general they did try to develop more participatory practices they did challenge the traditionalist conception uh, of the church that that authority which um for catholics came from god descended directly through the power or the structures of of the catholic church um and what some of the third world priests said for example was that between god and and the hierarchical structures or be, between god and the hierarchy um there is a medium uh, and that's the 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 people and the local community um so in some ways they kind of invert 
the traditional um, uh, hierarchy of of the church, saying that the people is actually the medium between God uh, and 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 the bishops, rather than the bishops being the medium between God and the people. Um, and so th this ecclesiology tended to um, foreground the idea of the church as a community of believers, um, or often they would use the, the, the notion of the people of God, which was, um, which was one of the um, theological concepts very important in the Second Vatican Council. Um, some people, uh, for, so for example, one of the, the, the former priests that I interviewed for the book um, just uh, discussed or talked about the idea of the assembly church, uh, the idea that the, the, the church was um, a uh, almost a, a kind of popular democratic um, uh, movement of, of people. Um, so the, the third world priests did challenge the, the, what they saw as the rigid verticalism of, of the, the, the institutional church at that time and, and preferred this idea of the church as the people of God rather than the churches as a hierarchical institution. Um, this, I think this conception also lent um, or, or allowed for a greater possibility for collaboration and cooperation with first, first of all non-Catholics, um, so that uh, uh, liberationist priests uh, in in some parts of the country started working very closely with um, non-Catholic Christian sectors, um, and and the ecumenical movements and networks that were uh, were emerging. Um, as well as collaborating on a more political level with with Marxists and left wing militants, um, as as parts and and all of this as part of of their their conception of um, their commitments as as Christians. Um, this is really interesting in terms of rethinking what it means to be church. Um, but just to come back to this idea of exactly what liberationist Christianity is one more time, did being part of the movement of priests for the third world in the, in the early 1970s mean that you had to be a Marxist or Peronist? Um, so in a word, no. Um, so there, there was no official ideology of the third world priests. They subscribed to uh, what what became popularly known as test Tercer Mundismo or Third Worldism, um, but this was also always open to interpretation, um, and and actually the ideological expressions were 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 quite often quite vague um, amongst the the Third World priests, um, and and largely because of this this ideological diversity. So um, initially, the Third World priests were largely prophetic in their public uh, public discourse. Um, denouncing the um, uh, institutional violence, denouncing um, the the physical acts of violence of of the military regime at that time, um, and uh, denouncing the what they saw as the structures of of uh, of of violence in um, in a very unequal society, um, and they also assumed some of the the kind of popular utopian uh, symbolisms of of the the new left. Um, at that time, 
including the the, the idea of the the new man, which was which was um, famously uh, a, a large part of of um, Che Guevara's um, uh, the political and uh, uh, and um, the political writings. Um, but to to some extent. Um, at the start of the 1970s, the Third World Priest did move towards Peronism. Um, so I, I would say that the Peronism was probably the, the largest ideological faction of the Third World Priests, um, but it was by no means um, by no, by no means homogenous in that sense. Um, so by sort of 1972, 1973. Three very clear factions had emerged. Um, uh, we, we have to be kept, uh, slightly careful here again because these factions didn't encompass the entirety of the movement, and there there is, for example, an argument to be made that the majority of the movement wasn't so so clear ideologically. But there were three three very clear factions. Uh, one was. Um, Quite straightforwardly, um, Marx influenced by Marxism, and foregrounded class struggle as as the um, as the the sort of centre of of political um, uh, political action, um, uh, and and that was probably the so this um, straightforwardly Marxist uh, faction was probably the the smaller of these three factions, but. Did have certain people in in kind of strategic uh, and influential positions within the third world priests. So the uh, Miguel Ramondetti, who I who I um, who I mentioned earlier as the general secretary of the third world priests, uh, was was very much part of 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 this faction. Um, alongside that, there were different um, different interpretations or different factions within Peronism. So there was uh, the what we might call the more revolutionary Peronist elements, which uh, tried to marry a class struggle with the kind of um, the, the, the populist politics of of Juan Perón. Um, and on the other side, there were the, the more orthodox Peronists um, who within the third world priests largely saw themselves in on the the left wing of the Peronist movement, but were very much, um, very much expressed loyalty to uh, to Juan Perón, whilst the the revolutionary Peronists were much more, um, uh, much more prepared to to be critical of of um, of the the Peronist government, which comes to power in nineteen seventy three. So these tensions really. Um, come to the fore uh, at the end of 1972 when it's clear that there is going to be a political opening in Argentina um, that um, that the, the the military government that had come to power in 1966 were, it was clear that that was in, in crisis, uh, that elections had been called um, for, for uh, March of 1973 and, uh, and these factions come to the fore because um, it it looks very likely or looks almost uh, guaranteed that Peronism uh, would win any 
any free elections and they need to they need to start thinking about what their um, uh what their attitude or what their relationship to peronism should be at this point um one of the key figures here um is uh, a guy called carlos mujica who's the most um m- most publicly visible member of the the movement of priests for the third world um very charismatic um he had been sort of at the center of some some national uh, uh national uh crises and and scandals so um he was seen as uh, so he was the the spiritual advisor as i mentioned before of uh to the uh, to the the founders of the Montoneros, um, and he was he was persecuted by the by the state on a, a, a number of occasions. Um, he and uh, he and his branch of the of the of the third world priests in in Buenos Aires um, took a position of 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 explicit loyalty. To Peron, when especially when uh, in in nineteen seventy three, when Peronism comes to power again, um, and so for example, um, when uh, when the Peronist government um, continues some of the 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 policies uh, from the the era of the military, the previous military dictatorship. That um, that the the Montoneros and and various other militant groups and and local community groups are, are very much opposed to um, Mujica um, in in some ways sides with the the per- Peronist government against his um, his former I suppose his former comrades in in the much more militant side of of the. Um, of Peronism, so there was this this really dramatic um, uh, internal division uh, between Peronism and over the the, uh, the the relationship also with Marxism and class struggle. Um, but th- th- there was also another division, which um, which in some ways is is less um, less decisive. Uh, but in other ways, it really speaks to the um, these um, conflicts and disputes over the conception of the church, over over ecclesiological issues uh, and debates. Um, and this was over celibacy, uh, so priestly celibacy. Um, so as as priests. Um, who had been in dispute with their bishops as they'd been marginalized from institutional positions within the church. Many of them um, uh, started to um, practice their faith and practice their their commitment to Christianity in a different way. Um, And and many of them uh, started to to marry or some of them uh, started to marry. and um and at the same time there's there's a there's a sort of a more international debate over the the relevance and desirability of priestly celibacy uh, whether um the 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 institution of priestly celibacy um separates priests from from the 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 community uh, whether to um to live a more 
uh, life more in um in communion with uh the the wider communities it's um it's necessary to do to do away with with celibacy so there, there are these debates circulating in argentina at this time too um but this very much has to do with the conception of the church and the um uh the sort of um that the idea um the conception over the membership um of the the church as an as an institution um so um the branch in in mendoza a city on on the west uh, of of argentina um start to call celibacy uh, a, a, a a vertical imposition uh, of juridico Roman totalitarianism, um, to really emphasizing the the sort of authoritarian institutional nature of of celibacy as imposed on 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 priests, um, and and these um, these uh, debates over whether whether third world priests. Um, who had had married, uh, or in in some cases they were they were kind of former priests, uh, or or at least had had relinquished their ministerial duties. Um, whether these could legitimately be part of of the third world priest movement, um, and and this comes out in a very bitter way in the in the final. Um, national meeting of the the third world priest in 1974, which which is it is is so that that um, it becomes or degenerates into such a a bitter debate that um, they can't produce any um, um, a, a, any document uh, as a result of it. So there are these these two. Um, uh, disputes or uh, or divisions within uh, within the third world priests um, by the the, the mid nineteen seventies one over political ideology and the relationship to to Peronism and, and Marxism and the other over um, celibis, celibacy uh, which in some ways is a is a kind of cipher for the um, relations the uh, the conceptions of the church that are are, are circulating at, at this point um so i've got another division for you so you've got the political divisions and the celibacy question did any priests pick up guns or how did these liberationist police respond to being targets of state terrorism yeah so the the question of violence was um was Again, was very much a a debate and a, a an an issue um, at this point. Um, I suppose the first thing to say is is that very few priests picked up guns. Very few priests joined or had um, any kind of close relationship with the um, the armed organisations or the or the the guerrillas um uh at, at this this moment um so i suppose just to give something of a backdrop uh, so argentina entered um a kind of new stage um in 
in its development in in its sort of political development in 1974. Um, so although um, repressive dictatorships and state violence had been really widespread, widespread in 1974, d despite the fact that uh, constitutional government was was in power, um, uh, state violence uh, increased exponentially. Um, uh, a big part of this was uh, the the internal Peronist civil war. So the the Peronist government uh, funded um, or parts of elements of the Peronist government have, uh, funded paramilitary organisations, which um, which mm, uh, terrorised members uh, parts of the revolutionary left, um, and and this really accentuates the crisis in in the the third world priests. Um, in the the question of violence is is sort of is is very much part of these debates, um, and and they have a longer longer history. So, the, in the early stages of the development of liberationist Christianity, um, uh, the discussions over violence really centre on um on how violence is embedded structurally in society in in very unequal uh in exploitative um economic uh models um and um in the uh in the uh, a, a sort of key moment in the development of of liberation theology was in a, a conference in Medellin in 1968 the uh Count uh, the of uh, Latin American bishops um, meeting to reflect on um, on uh, the uh, on the current situation in in Latin America and as as influenced by um, by the Second Vatican Council and uh, recent papal encyclicals and and in Medellin the uh, the the final documents. Um, uh, discussed the um, the potential for a just violence of the oppressed. Um, so the the idea being that if if the um, if, if the oppressed people or the uh, the marginalized and and dehumanized uh, populations of Latin America were to um, oppose those um, that situation of of structural violence with um, with violence that could be seen potentially uh, as uh, as justified. Um, then, so in the mid nineteen seventies, this becomes uh, very uh, very real in in Argentina in the sense that um, that uh, armed guerrilla groups had become very well organized. In some cases, um, uh, very well resourced. Uh, at least compared to the armed organizations in in other countries uh, of Latin America, the Montoneros were um, it, by this point the probably the the the, the largest um, and and most dynamic of the 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 guerrilla organizations in in Latin America. Um, and um, and some of the many of the priests in in the third world priest movement began to distance themselves um, from the guerrillas um, 
but there was by by no means a um an agreement over this um so one of the priests that i i interviewed ruendri wrote in in the um 1970s um about uh he, he, he had rejected the um the the idea of an inherent antagonism between between violence and christian love and the notion of christian love um but he very carefully avoided promoting armed violence so um uh, armed action by the by the guerrillas um as i said a small number of priests uh, and or clergy did join the guerrilla groups um um but i think it's probably more important or more um uh more consequential that many of the guerrillas were actually influenced by liberationist christianity so including the the founders of the montoneros um uh th this is a, a much um i i, I say conse consequential because um because the montoneros very much were formed politically within uh within their kind of liberationist christian uh, milieu um uh, but the, the other th thing to say about violence um at, at this point is is that more than um taking up armed action um the third world priest and liberationist christianity was far more likely to be uh, uh victimized by by uh by by the state or or paramilitaries so dozens of of priests were either assassinated or disappeared um from the the point of the uh, the sort of onset of the period of state terrorism in, in I would say in 1974, and then which intensifies with the 1976 military coup. Um, so dozens of, of priests were assassinated or disappeared, and many more were uh, were uh, kidnapped, uh, tortured, um, became political prisoners, or or were forced into exiles. And that's not to to mention also the the, the large numbers of of lay Christians who um, who are victimized in similar ways um, and or in, in the same way um, uh, so um, sorry I kind of lo lost my train of thought there um, uh, but yeah so the, I, I suppose the point here is is that uh, rather than um, actually uh, taking up arms uh liberationist Christ christians were far more likely to to be the victims of of state and par paramilitary violence um i want to come back to this question of violence but can you tell us a little bit about your research methods uh, as well were you were using mostly published sources or were you able to talk to some of these people as well Yes, I, I I was able to to talk to some of them. Um, I, w one of the things I I I think if I was able to actually uh, go back and do the research again, I think I would have uh, possibly actually started off talking to to people uh, uh, rather than um, so the the way I did things was was to um, firstly focus uh, more on on archival sources and then and then. Um, uh, then carry out interviews with um with uh people 
involved in in these these networks um so i i it yeah if if i was to to do things again i think i i i would seek to do more interviews um because they they are often the most sort of um humanizing uh ways of exploring these histories and uh, and some of the most interesting um and they capture things i think ab- uh, about uh, about these histories which which you which can't really be captured in in much of the written documentation uh, of course we have to be careful about um about uh, historical veracity as uh, as memories um are obviously not in wholly reliable in terms of you know factual accuracy and uh, and all that um but we we, we get a, a kind of richness of the of the meaning of of these historical processes and uh and and you can really delve deeper into um into the the the, the historical experiences of of these actors so I, I did some interviews with um with a range of priests and 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 former priests um i also i did uh, some in-depth interviews uh with uh the brother of a a montonero activist who was um who was kidnapped and disappeared in uh, in the, the early stages of the dictatorship from 1976 um and who who had actually worked quite closely with uh, with Carlos Mujica in one of the shanty towns in um, in Buenos Aires, um, but there there is a lot to to th- th- there is a lot of of potential also in the in archival uh, material. Um, so in the nineteen sixties and seventies, a plethora of publications um, uh, from the political left. Um, were were circulated and um and uh the you know the left-wing ecology in in argentina is is very rich and very um very complex at this point and uh so there's there's um there's lots of um archival material in 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 those kinds of sources that um that that i i looked at and focused on um also, of course, looked at uh, newspapers, sources, um, uh, and and bulletins by lo- local groups. Um, interestingly, um, the, a lot of this is actually available online. That there, there are lots of um, uh, people who um, very uh, generously uh, collect these um these kinds of sources um digitize them and then post them for free on online uh, which is very useful for for a historian based in the uk um and uh and and i also visited a, a variety of of archives in in argentina um one of which uh has a very very large collection of uh, third world priests materials uh, which include unpublished documents, um, uh, the the Third World Priest Bulletin, uh, other publications from um, from uh, Catholic groups, uh, which overlapped in some ways with with the Third World Priests, um, 
and and I looked at a variety of, of other sources which um, not specifically uh, related to the third world priests or or um, uh, or, or organized groups uh, like that. Um, so personal archives and and collections of published testimonies, testimonies or or documents. Um, on the Protestant side, um, this the so the the third world priests have have been looked have been explored to um, quite a lot, I'd say, by by Argentine Argentine scholars, uh, historians, and uh, sociologists and theologians. Um, uh, but on the on the Protestant side. Um, the existing documentation is is much uh much sparser um but also mu much less accessible uh, i'd say um and and has not really been been explored uh, very much at all so um for the the methodist church which um which i focused on when when exploring um the the protestant sectors um, I looked at, for example, the the Methodist journals and and regular publications there, and, and archives of the Methodist Church. So, so that is quite a, I, I suppose, eclectic array of of different kinds of archival materials, and in, in combination with, um, with interviews uh, with priests and and former priests. That that helps goes a long way to explaining why your the detail and the richness in a lot of what you write um, in this book. Just to go back to this question of violence, what did joining a going clandestine or joining a guerrilla group mean for priests? What, does that mean they effectively had to abandon the church if they um, went clandestine? Yeah, so this is, again, this is a very mixed experience. Um, so um, as I said, that very few priests actually joined guerrilla groups, um, but many were active in in militant groups, um, which 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 weren't didn't include armed action as um, as um, as sort of its kind of main political tactic, um, and and so I, so yes, yeah, so this was a, a a very mixed experience. Um, some priests. Did um, effectively abandon the church. Um, others didn't, and I, I guess I can use a couple of, of examples to to, um, to to explain what I mean here. So one case is 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 that of uh, Ruendri, um, who was very much on the more radical side of the of the third world priests, um, uh, associated with a group called Peronismo de Base, or, or or which was a kind of grassroots um uh peronist uh, movement which uh, which foregrounded class struggle and 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 hoped to create autonomous working class um forms of organization and and not rely on the the kind of uh existing peronist institutions um <clears throat> so ruendri was was very active um politically in in Peronismo de Asia and 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 community um, uh, community politics in where he was based in Resistencia in El Chaco, which is in the the northeast of uh, of Argentina, um, and he um, he was forced into hiding um, 
in at, around um, August 1974. Um, and, and and when so when he, he he told me he didn't go clandestine, um, but the the state made him clandestine. Um, so when he went underground, essentially. Um, he also resigned his his ministry. So he told me that what he was involved in, the projects that he was involved in, were increasingly in conflict with the church and increasing uh, and uh, and his conception of the priesthood um, did not fit within the church institution. Um, so he went into hiding in in Buenos Aires um, in 1974 until he was forced into exile um, in 1976. Um, uh, his, his kind of political comrades um, in Peronismo de Basia were very, very heavily persecuted um, and uh, and he, he very, very much um, was... Uh, uh, was persecuted along, alongside uh, alongside them, um, but managed to escape the country in nineteen seventy six. But another case, which is um, is is very interesting, is that of uh, Jorge Adur, um, who um, who was a a member of the the Third World Priests um, and developed quite close relationships. Uh, a, quite a close relationship with the the Montoneros in the mid nineteen seventies, um, and in fact, in nineteen seventy eight, um, he is announced as the chaplain of the Montonero army, um, and and this is a very interesting case. Uh, one because the Montonero army had uh, largely been defeated. Um, by this point, and most of the Montoneros were were in exile, um, but also because uh, a, a military chaplain is is a recognised position within the church, um, and the uh, the military vicariate in in Argentina is very much associated as as a kind of uh, pr- a very very pro military um, section of of the church. Um, so Jorge Aur is is kind of a, um, a kind of replicating in some in some ways this um, this institutional position within the church, um, but to to tie himself to a revolutionary organization, um, and and so he he tried to, I suppose, tie his priesthood with the project of of the Montoneros. Um, uh even though even though the montoneros had had largely been um largely been annihilated um and 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 this case i think um, contrasts to uh, to a large extent with that of 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 Dri. um Jorge Aur, um very tragically was kidnapped in in 1980 uh, when he uh, so he, he he quietly returned to argentina tried to he met up with um, some of the relatives of the victims of the uh, of the regime, and, um, and and he was kidnapped on on the border of um, of Argentina and and Brazil. Um, there there are other um, cases that we could explore um, 
too. Uh, so um, others who who didn't go clandestine, um, but uh, uh, but tried to maintain a, a kind of um, uh, active politics against the the, the very very um, uh, brutal military dictatorship from 1976. Um, for example, the the case uh, in in La Rioja, of um, so the, the the local bishop Enrique Angelelli um, saw a number of uh, so Angelelli was very close to the the third world priests, but as a bishop was was never a, a kind of formal member. Um, but he um, he saw many of his of uh, the his. his Kind of supporters and sympathizers um, uh, victimized uh, in during the dictatorship, and and Angelelli himself was assassinated um, uh, in in the in the first years of of the dictatorship. So so it's it's a very mixed experience in in that sense. Um, uh, Angelelli never never left the church. He remained as as a bishop. Um, but some others very much did, um, and others really tried to to tie their um, their kind of institutional uh, membership to to their their revolutionary uh, politics. Uh, so yeah, a, a kind of very very mixed picture there. So in the book, you talk about three different ways that liberationist Christians responded to to the state terror of the seventies. One option was depoliticization. Another was joining the Arden resistance movement, and a third was the human rights movement. What did liberationist Christians contribute to the human rights movement in Argentina? Yeah, so um, um, the the human rights politics, which was very much emerging uh, internationally, or very much sort of uh, uh, emerging as uh, as a an international. Uh, movement with mass participation and a very important institutional expressions. Um, uh, at this moment of uh, of of the Cold War in the in the the, the 1970s, um, and and human rights becomes really one of the the outlets for liberation liberationist Christians during the uh, during the dictatorship. Um, uh, of course, trying to maintain active militant politics was uh, was extremely dangerous in 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 Argentina during the dictatorship during the last dictatorship, um, and and many were were victimized. Many had to go into exile. Others um, tried to depoliticize to a certain extent and and maintain a sort of. Um, maintain some of the liberationist Christian uh, values and principles within the institutional church, and and others um, took up the uh, the I suppose the banner of 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 human rights, um, which allowed a certain degree of um, of uh, protection to to some extent from. Um, from international institutions, um, so the um, most uh, most notably, um, it was the ecumenical 
um, movement uh, or the ecumenical parts of the of liberationist Christianity, which was which was heavily involved in in human rights politics. Um, and um, and in in my chapter exploring this um this trajectory i suppose in uh, from the mid 1970s to to the end of the dictatorship in 1983 um focus uh, focuses on uh, or partly focuses on the case of of mendoza in in the west of of the country um and, and uh this is important because um in september 1973 a uh, a military coup um, comes to power in in Chile, uh, uh, and is is ex- extremely again very much like the uh, the dictatorship in Argentina is uh, persecutes uh, the left uh, generally, and thousands and thousands of Chile Chileans uh, leave the country, um, <clears throat> many of whom. Go go to Argentina and Mendoza, which is on um, very close to the border with Chile, is is the the first point of call or the first stop for for many for many many Chilean refugees and, and exiles. <clears throat> In fact, it has been estimated that at that well over a hundred thousand Chileans um, entered uh, Mendoza. Um, uh, in the in the first in, in the first few years of the the Chilean dictatorship, um, and for for a, for a city like Mendoza, which is which was only about one hundred twenty thousand, that was a, a very very large <laughs> number. Um, so um, Mendoza was interesting because it was uh, it, it had a very vibrant uh, ecumenical uh, network um, with uh, a large. Uh, a large number of Catholic priests involved who who had been sidelined by their bishops from institutional um, institutional posts, and also very important um, or very influential Protestant figures like uh, like the local uh, Methodist pastor Federico Pagura, uh, who I also in, interviewed as part of uh, my research, um, and um, uh, and others like Aliera Verhoeven. Um, uh, also, also a Methodist. Um, Federico Pagura, um, put uh, after the, the the Chilean coup in 1973, put his church in the service of of um, of the assistance uh, for refugees and and worked closely with the World Council of Churches, the the UN High Commission uh, High Commission for um, Refugees, um, and <clears throat> and. Um, very much part of this these initiatives was uh, a, a a discourse in in human rights, um, uh, and and the 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 ecumenical network was the the most active um, in in the assistance uh, for for Chilean um, refugees in in Mendoza. Um, <clears throat> this obviously didn't come without a price, um, so. Federico Paura's church was uh, was bombed, um, and he was repeatedly intimidated by uh, by the uh, local paramilitaries and and the, the police and military, um, and the ecum- ecumenical movements um, uh, uh, building or uh, the the ecum- is called the ecumenical center uh, was totally destroyed 
by uh, uh, by what was likely more than one bomb um, in in 1974. Um, so um, the and and one of the reasons why the ecumenical movement was so uh, so heavily involved in in human rights was because of uh, that. So the the World Council of Churches had had very much ad adopted human rights as as a kind of key tenet tenet of its its um sort of its um uh, political debates and uh, and wider uh, social commitments um in in the, the world council of churches assembly in nairobi, in nairobi the year before, in 1974 uh, so, sorry 1975 um human rights was a, a key topic of discussion and uh, and um uh, latin america was identified as as uh, one of the contexts in which human rights violations were were very widespread, um, and as uh, as a response to this, Federico Paura and and a, a variety of others, um, uh, other primarily Protestant um, uh, activists, uh, set up the Ecumenical Movement for for Human Rights just a just a a, a couple of weeks before. Um, the 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 military coup in March 1976, in fact, um, and the ecumenical movement for human rights becomes a a, a kind of key actor, really, um, a key um, space for um, for often quite subtle and and very careful opposition to um, to the regime, but um, a space in which uh, a certain degree of of um, political agency could could be uh, maintained um <clears throat> of course the human rights politics entailed some different objectives um for some liberations christians this seemed to uh involve a move back towards um a kind of prophetic discourse um uh, uh at the same time it um, so many liberationist Christians had been quite critical of of human rights before because they saw it as having a rather limited scope and entailing a certain uh, depoliticization and 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 generally lacking a class perspective. Um, but it became um, one of the uh, one of the possibilities for uh, for a certain degree of of opposition to to the the military dictatorship um and in fact many also try to infuse the human rights movement with with a more popular character um so seeking to to incorporate um uh, a sort of empowerment of uh, uh of of uh local communities and uh, and and the poor um and um in yeah and just generally introduce a more sort of politicized um uh, ver version uh, including things like social and political rights so it sounds like the human rights movement's actually a very powerful vehicle for liberationist christianity um just to to wrap up every good story needs an ending and you finish your book with the end of the dictatorship in 1983 so what had been achieved by then did Argentinian Christianity just go back to normal after eighty three, or did it have a lasting legacy? Yeah. So um, often, uh, when it's 
the many of the histories of liberationist Christianity in, in Argentina stop at 1974. And this is partly to do with um, the difficulties of, of finding um, documentary sources, uh, because the you know many of the popular militant organizations, many of the groups uh, were very, much more careful about uh, publishing and and circulating um, uh, anything. Um, um, but uh, one one of the sort of implications of this, I I think, is is that um, uh, it is is an, an assumption that liberation is Christianity kind of stops at the point of the dictatorship or or is is destroyed in some way and to a certain extent um there there, there is some truth in in this that uh, the the organizational expressions of of um of liberation is Christianity so the third world priests and and some of the other local groups many of them are have to have to demobilize. Many of them um, can't uh, can't continue in 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 this the same way. But we do see um, new groups um, emerging. So the Ecumenical Movement for Human Rights is one which has a large influence of of liberationist Christians. Um, uh, but so. Um, uh, and, and and the the third world priests themselves pretty much um ends in 1974 uh when the the you know the wave of popular militancy is 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 also uh to to some extent uh, defeated um but liberationist christianity is is much more diverse and dynamic than just being limited to these these singular organizations um so if we go back to the the idea of liberation as christianity as a as a kind of socio-religious movement um it leaves uh these traces and it leaves these uh these memories um and uh and uh, uh it, it has a cultural a wider cultural and social impact um despite this period um, being extremely traumatic and and repressive, um, <clears throat> so liberationist Christianity does have an, an interesting uh, has managed to carve itself out an interesting role in in cultural memory. Um, so, for example, Carlos Mujica, who was assassinated in in nineteen seventy four, so before the 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 final military dictatorship, but within broadly within the the period of of state terrorism. Um, is still remembered uh, very fondly uh, in the in the shanty town or the slum where where he worked in Buenos Aires. Um, uh, his you can still see his his face on some of the walls there. There are roads named after him, and um, uh, and the uh, and his it, he's often referenced by um, even the current uh, Pope um, Pope Francis, who who um, is is from Argentina, who who was the Archbishop of, of Buenos Aires, and he was actually the head of the the the, the Jesuit order in Argentina at the time of the of the last military uh, the military coup in nineteen seventy six, um, and Mujica is held up by a variety of other groups too. So the the Peronist left or the uh, Peronism more 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 widely, um, 
incorporates Mujica and and some of the other priests, but primarily Mujica, as part of the I suppose the Peronist um, uh, Peronist canon and. Uh, uh, so uh, and it, it's still very very much seen as a very influential figure. Um, and after the dictatorship, um, there are two uh, two new priest groups that uh, that emerge at different points, um, both of which adopt um, Mujica as as the kind of um, uh, symbolic fi- figureheads. Uh, one which is popularly called the curas vicheros. Um, so these are the priests that um, uh, vichero refers to the um, the vichas, which are the poor neighborhoods in in Argentina. Uh, so these are the what we might call slum priests. Um, and uh, and and this section very much um, influenced by a more kind of cultural in, in interpretation of. Of liberationist Christianity, much less focused on on class struggle, um, and m- far more kind of um, uh, integrated and um, uh, sympathetic to the institutional church. Uh, the the other um, group is called the priests in preferential option for the poor, which is far more rooted in class politics, and and I suppose we can see the legacy of the more radical parts of. Uh, the um, the third world priests who um, who who foregrounded class struggle as um, as as uh, uh, foregrounded class struggle in in their uh, kind of political um, political objectives um, and this um, these these um, legacies um, also uh, emerge in in, in different ways, you know, uh, um, in response to to new political debates and new um, uh, new political issues. So, for example, um, in at the start of uh, 2021, Argentina legalized um, abortion, um, and of course, this is a this is a, a major issue or major. Um, uh, a point of contention within uh, Christianity more broadly, and certainly uh, the Catholic Church. And one of these groups, um, as a leg that that holds up Carlos Mujica, the Curas Bicheros, very strongly opposed the the legalization of abortion, um, despite the fact that it was supported by most of the 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 uh, Peronist left. Um, whereas the the other group, the priest in preferential for the uh, in preferential option for the poor, um, loosely supported um, abortion or uh, the legalization of abortion, or at least figures within uh, that group um, su- supported the legalization of abortion um, as part of um, uh, 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 the uh, notions of of um, public public health. Um, also, the, the kind of ecumenical movement um, uh, as a legacy of the human rights uh, expressions of liberationist Christianity, and and the Methodist Church, for example, they um, they cautiously cautiously also supported uh, 
the uh, legalization of abortion as part of um, this uh, public public health uh, for for reasons of of public health. Um, and so again, again, abortion is, I suppose, part of of the political disputes of of um, repro- reproduction, which um, celibacy had previously been the the sort of um, the, the the main issue on that side for the for the third world priests in the nineteen seventies, um, and um, but the 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 support for legalization of abortion is also. Um, a product of a um, a diversification, I guess, of liberationist Christianity in the in the nineteen eighties and nineties, and the the emergence of of feminist uh, forms and feminist expressions of of liberation theology, which which uh, really begin to um, introduce new innovations and uh, and. Uh, are really at the forefront of of new developments in in liberation theology after the the nineteen eighties. Um, so these the liberationist Christianity really has um, really did leave a lasting legacy, and and um, we still see some of the set some similar divides or uh, some divides which we can we can kind of link back to this formative experience in in the nineteen sixties and seventies. Um, uh, but they are also responding to kind of new contexts and um, uh, and uh, and and new um, popular movements because the legalization of abortion really comes uh, is 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 really achieved on the back of uh, of a huge mass movement of um, of uh, led by by feminists, um, but with widespread support um, across society and across and cutting across different institutions um so yeah so they also have to respond to these these kind of new uh new political and social cleavages in argentine society that's that's really interesting um that's about all we have time for today but thank you very much for sharing this amazing and very complex story with us thank you very much roland thanks thanks for having me